I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cross the Pons Elias over the Tiber. Pass beneath the Castel San Angelo and you come to the border of the smallest country in the world the Vatican City. Tiny in size, maybe, but big in political intrigue. You often hear about these notes being passed around the Vatican saying that uh, Cardinal X has done this, that and the other. But in 2020, fighting at the very top of the Roman Catholic Church may just be a harbinger of big changes to come. Pope Francis could finally be doing the clean-up that he promised to do when he came into office. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, a Pope, two Cardinals and a lot of church money. If ever a journey needed a guide, this, through the corridors of the Holy See, requires a good one. And Echo, our man in the Eternal City. I'm Tom Kington. I'm the Rome correspondent for The Times. And that gives me the chance to cover two countries, really, Italy and the Vatican, which, of course, is a tiny city-state in the middle of Rome. It's one thing, I imagine, covering a country like Italy. It must be very strange covering something like the Vatican. Yes, it is. It's, I think, a little like what it used to be like covering the Kremlin in the Soviet Union. Not much information coming out, lots of guesswork about what's going on inside. And as there used to be Kremlinologists, over here we have Vaticanisti, who are often Italian journalists who've been around a long time. They know their way around the Vatican. They know cardinals. And quite often, the international media is rather beholden to these people for the big stories coming out of the Vatican. However, that leads to a guessing game because often you're thinking, well, if a story has been broken by X Vaticanisti, who's his source and what kind of spin is being put on that news because of the source he's relying on? So you've got to kind of unspin the spin to figure out sometimes what the story is behind the story. Let's begin unspinning. We can agree that this tale involves money, machinations and allegations at the heart of the Vatican. This bit begins six years ago in 2014, with a property 1,100 miles away from St Peter's and much closer to St Paul's, right here in London at an address in a fashionable and upmarket neighbourhood. 
It's number 60 Sloan Avenue in Chelsea. It's a former Harrods warehouse, which has since become a rather shishi office building. And it was purchased a few years ago by an Italian who then got the Vatican to take a share in the property and later to buy it out entirely. The former warehouse is key to the scandal. Let's fast forward a few years and we're back in Rome. Last year, there were a series of raids at the Vatican by investigators, Vatican investigators, looking into, amongst other things, possible wrongdoing connected to that investment in the Chelsea property. Five Vatican staff members had their offices raided and their mugshots were put up in entrance booths manned by Swiss guards at the Vatican to tell the Swiss guards to watch out for them because they were suspended from duties. And that promptly made it into the press. Uh, This is back in October 2019. Who'd given that order? Well, ultimately, this is Pope Francis who is behind these raids and suspicions were growing that the, the Chelsea project, the Chelsea investment, had been losing money. And at the same time, consultants were making quite a profit off their consultancy work. Uh, and don't forget, this, this money, part of this money that was going into this investment was coming from Peter's Pence, which is the money that's donated every year to the church by Catholics. So it's something that you don't want to throw around too uh, carelessly. So money was effectively going from ordinary Catholics through the Vatican to consultants who were working on this property. Correct. Now, who was overseeing all this in terms of the Vatican hierarchy? Cardinal Giovanni Angelo Becciu, who at the time was the number two at the Vatican's Secretariat of State, which is effectively the Vatican's government. So it's the number two in the government. And who is this Cardinal Becciu? He's Italian. He's from Sardinia. He was born in 1948, so he's now 72, and became a cardinal in 2018, so a senior guy. What kind of character is he? He's traditionally been known as uh, a rather calm, collected, cool head at the Vatican who was in charge of administration and and did a pretty good job. So up until now, he's been seen as, as a safe pair of hands, and certainly he gained the trust of Pope Francis because Pope Francis inherited him. He was in the job, number two at the Secretary of State, when Francis took office in 2013. He rather took Francis in hand, showed him the ropes, showed him how things work, and earned his trust. Since 2018, he's been transferred to a new job. He was put in charge of running the Holy See's department responsible for making saints. What's the name of the saint-making department? Its proper title is the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. So that involves checking medical reports to see if miracles stand up to scrutiny. It's not a job that you take lightly, I think. What kind of thing was he doing with money? Well, he had this influential role in distributing and investing a lot of money that was coming into the church from Peter's pence. He himself has said that the Vatican has always invested in property. Nothing wrong with that. He said, we've done it in Rome, in Paris, in Switzerland, in London. He pointed out that Pius VII, who was the wartime pope, was the first to invest in London. Now, let's go back to the property in Chelsea. How was Betu involved directly in that? 
as the number two at the Secretary of State, he had overall responsibility for these investments, although staff members underneath him were, I think, more regularly in direct contact with consultants that they were using to actually direct and make decisions on investments. But he, he was at the top of the, uh, the chain of command. Sounds so far pretty much above board. The Vatican has investments. Property is an obvious investment. He's in charge of those investments, so he's in charge of overseeing Chelsea. And yet, something has happened to him. Well, that's right. He was sacked, not from that job, but from his new job at the the Congregation of Saints. Sacked last month by Francis in a rather dramatic 20-minute meeting when Betty was called in. The Pope said, I don't trust you, according to Betty's own account of the meeting later. What then happened with the sacking? I I presume there was a press conference. What was that like? It was hurriedly um, announced and arranged by Betu. There are a few journalists invited. He apparently looked like a ghost. He was shocked. Uh, He said that it was a surreal encounter with the Pope and that he's come away from it hoping that he can uh, prove his innocence which he may get a chance to do. And it looks like Francis has been listening to the investigators who are going through reams of documents and are deciding or suspecting that Betu was at the very least playing fast and loose with those pennies placed in the plates in Catholic churches around the world. During his meeting with the Pope, apparently Francis said that uh, he suspected Betu of embezzlement. Betu has claimed he has done absolutely nothing wrong. And this is linked to the Chelsea property? Yes, but not only that. I understand that Betty is also suspected of channelling funds which may have favoured three of his brothers. So they say money has gone from these properties somehow and favoured people associated with Betu or Betu himself or causes favoured by Betu that shouldn't have gone there. How, how could that possibly work? I think what we're seeing here is how the Vatican tends not to use big investment firms. And and this is a cultural thing. The Vatican doesn't really trust them. This affair has shown how they tend to go to their own trusted financial consultants, people who perhaps are quite good at winning the trust of cardinals. The Vatican doesn't really want to be seen to be using, you know, the big firms, Deloitte or whoever. In a way, you can understand this because we're talking here not about a corporation. We're talking about the Vatican, which is a state. And these are people that don't really want their secrets handed over to big anonymous firms. Whereas on the other hand, the Italian consultants that they tend to use will be Catholics will understand the kind of language cardinals use, the kind of investments that they officially would like. These consultants get the job done in a way that the Vatican likes. However, however, we don't know this yet because we haven't seen the outcome of the investigation. It may be that they were actually pocketing some of the Vatican's money. And what has Betu actually been accused of and what would he have to stand trial for if he stands trial in front of this magistrate? Well, all we know so far is what he said the Pope told him, which is that he was suspected of embezzlement. However, the investigation is still ongoing. We just don't know. Right. So there we are in a kind of mysterious area where he might go on trial for a charge we can't be sure about. And then into the middle of this, there comes the name of another cardinal who's key to the story, um, Cardinal George Pell. So, Tom, let's talk about who he is and then how he fits into this. Well, Cardinal Pell is a 79-year-old Australian cardinal. He had previously worked as finance minister 
at the Vatican until 2017, when he was forced to go back to Australia, where he was put on trial for molesting choir boys back in Melbourne in the 1990s. He was convicted, he was jailed, and then acquitted on appeal in April and was um, declared a free man. As we go to air, George Pell is spending his first night as a free man after 405 days behind bars. In a decision that's created headlines around the world, the High Court today overturned his convictions for sexually abusing George Pell two has fled boys. Melbourne for New South Wales, wasting no time making the most of his newfound freedom. Colonel George Pell seen leaving prison after being unanimously acquitted of sex abuse charges by Australia's highest court. Now, that's what happened to him in Australia. What's he got to do with this story? Well, as I said, he'd been finance minister at the Vatican. He'd been handpicked by Francis to come in and try and sort of put some order into Vatican accounting because the Vatican consists of lots and lots of departments which traditionally have all done their own accounting rather haphazardly. Reports of people wandering into departments and finding uh, all the accounting being handled by nuns using pencils. And so Pell was there to try and just knock it all into shape. And he had a reputation as being a bit of a bruiser. He's a big guy, strong opinions, ex-rugby player. And I think he scared quite a lot of people at the Vatican. He came in with good intentions, but also no desire to take prisoners. He was nicknamed at the Vatican Pell Potter, after Harry Potter. Apparently, the, the cardinals that he was irritating said that Pell assumed he had a kind of magic wand to uh, uncover all the, uh, the the secrets of Vatican accounting. I think there was probably a bit of sniggering when he was shipped back off to Australia. And also conjures up the rather lovely image of all these cardinals sitting around reading Harry Potter. <laughs> Who knew? Is it the case with Pell that because he was an Australian outsider, he was seen as being somebody who would deal with the Italian, more intimate methods that you have been talking about, which might have been a little bit mm, too close. Absolutely. And one of the people he uh, rubbed up the wrong way was Cardinal Becciu. So, for example, when Cardinal Pell ordered an external audit of the Vatican's finances right across the board, the audit was blocked by Cardinal Becci, who stepped in and simply shut the whole thing down. The two were clearly really not good mates at the Vatican. And this was a rivalry which was simmering when Pell was recalled to Australia to face trial. Before his trial for molesting choir boys in Australia, he was investigating Becciu, right? I wouldn't put it that strongly. He was certainly looking to centralise invoicing and procurement as we've said, that was opposed by Becciu, who wanted Vatican departments to keep more of their autonomy. So investigating indirectly, but certainly challenging. So let's pause for a moment. As far as we know, Pell wasn't hot on the trail of Becciu or anything like that. It's simply that the cardinals disagreed. But as you'll hear shortly, there's then a twist involving the two men. Well, if you're enjoying this story with Tom Kington, you may want to subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times. Here on the podcast, we only have room for one story per day, but the paper is full of them. 
as well as correspondents all around the world like Tom. We have business analysts, political correspondents, a star-studded sports desk, and that's not to mention our style and magazine departments. And also columnists like me, but that's the downside. Anyway, to subscribe today and get one month of The Times and Sunday Times free, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This popped up a few days ago. It's an amazing twist. It was reported in the Italian media that Cardinal Becciu had been, during the course of his investigation, had been accused of using 700,000 euros of Vatican funds to bribe witnesses in Australia in Cardinal Pell's trial to hopefully secure the sex abuse conviction to get him out of the way, because that would leave Betu ruling the roost back in the Vatican, and there would be no chance of Pell returning to put him back under scrutiny. Sorry, let's get this straight. The idea is that he might have taken money, which he'd got from somewhere, a lot of money, to bribe witnesses in Australia to testify against his rival, Cardinal Pell, to get him convicted of sex abuse. Correct. That's extraordinary. Where exactly was this reported? Well, this came out in, I think, three Italian newspapers who had their hands on leaked documents which were coming out of the Vatican investigation into Cardinal Becciu. They say they've seen the documents from the probe. One paper said that it was an accusation which had been made by one of the officials who'd been working with Becciu and is himself in trouble, but is apparently now collaborating with investigators. You have to sort of take this all with a bit of a pinch of salt because it's coming indirectly to us. And it could possibly be that the man making these accusations is trying to save his own skin, if you like, by dumping Becciu further into trouble. So the story hasn't come from the Australian end. It's not as if there are witnesses so far who we know of coming forward saying, yes, he tried to give me money to say this, or somebody tried to give me money to say this. This is all Vatican side. Correct. And in fact, one of the former choir boys who had accused Pell of molesting him has 
promptly denied ever being given a bribe. Likewise, Betu himself has said he, quotes, categorically denies this accusation. Now, how's this story going down in Italy? It's rolling on. The papers have reported with relish the next episode, another possible scandal involving Betu. This time it involves a consultant he hired, not for financial advice, but to give geopolitical consultancy. We're talking about a 39-year-old Sardinian woman, Cecilia Marogna, who is said to have received 500,000 euros from Betu's department. She says it was used by her to try and free priests and nuns kidnapped in Africa. She's being accused of using some of the money to buy luxury handbags and clothing. She's denying wrongdoing. But then, in the latest twist, she was arrested in Milan on an international warrant issued by the Vatican, which means they suspect she was up to no good. Wow. Uh, And what does she say? Well, she says, I didn't steal a euro. And Cardinal Becciu allegedly has told investigators at the Vatican that he had made the payments in good faith and was uh, conned. Now, what's been the response from the Pope to the story as it's developed? We know that he had that meeting with Becciu, the 20-minute meeting where he, he sacked him. But about the business with Pell and now about this woman? Well, he's not spoken directly about this. It is, however, quite an unwelcome distraction for him, given that he's constantly under the cosh by his conservative critics who think he's been too much of a liberal pope. He's also still battling sex abuse within the church. Really, he didn't didn't need this. However, I would say this, that whilst one could argue that he made a bad call by putting so much faith in Betu, what we could see now, if this inquiry does unearth lots of dirt, Pope Francis could finally be doing the cleanup that he promised to do when he came into office. So that was seven years ago. If he can really get to the root of bad mismanagement at the Vatican, and if it turns out that Betu was involved in wrongdoing, then I think that it's sort of legacy time. It's a moment for the Pope to actually finally say that he did what he was elected to do. Now, that must be precisely what somebody like Cardinal Pell has always wanted. So is he saying anything about it? Or are people close to him saying anything about it? Well, Pell himself is now back in Rome. He flew in the other day. He came out and said, I quote, the Holy Father was elected to clean up Vatican finances. He plays a long game and is to be thanked and congratulated on recent developments. That's quite important coming from Pell because Pell is also one of those conservative critics of the Pope. And to see Pell paying such a compliment to Francis is a real turn up. Do we have any idea about how Francis feels about all this? Whether he feels it's derailing what he wants to do, whether he thinks there are obstacles that he has to get rid of before he can get to the papacy and the state of the church that he wants, or whether in a funny kind of sense he's resigned to it being this way. I think he's pushing on. It was interesting to note that back in May, in the middle of lockdown, he went ahead and centralised procurement at the Vatican, something that Pell had been pushing for back in 2016. So that happened quite quietly, but I think it was a major change. And that means that those pencils that we talked about earlier now will have to be uh, ordered in one place. You can't have Sister Mary ordering her own pencils anymore. That's the kind of fundamental 
sounds boring, but the kind of fundamental reform that could really make a, a change. And the fact that the Pope was working on that during lockdown, going ahead with it, I think suggests that he feels that he can go the distance. When he gets rid of Betu, in a way, he may be guilty of embezzlement, he may not be, but the statement that it makes is, I'm going to modernise the finances of the Vatican. Correct. And who knows whether he might invite George Pell back on board to help him finish the job. So one of the most remarkable aspects of this will be the complete rehabilitation of Cardinal Pell after his complete fall from grace. That said, I think there'll still be plenty of people at the Vatican who consider him quite the heathen if he gets back behind a desk at the Vatican. It has to be said, this is pretty nasty. The leaks, the accusations, the forces arrayed. What does that tell us about the current state of the Vatican? Nothing's changed, I suppose, because we we know that the Vatican has always been a hive of competitive spiteful, often rancorous cardinals and bishops and priests who actually are often a dab hand at issuing anonymous, gossipy notes about each other. You often hear about these notes being passed around the Vatican saying that uh, Cardinal X has done this, that and the other. I think it can be quite a tough environment to work in. And so what we're seeing perhaps now is just, it's just more of the same. And it's, it's, the, it's that climate that many people think actually drove Pope Benedict to resign. He couldn't take the infighting anymore. Never, never been proven, but many people think that. So here we have Pope Francis up against it again. For now, the Vatican investigation into Cardinal Angelo Becciu's spending record at the Secretariat of State remains ongoing. The Cardinal may yet face trial, but he denies all wrongdoing. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Tom Kington, the Times Rome correspondent. And you can read more of Tom's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Will Rowe. Executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast. And now we're available on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio on your app store. See you again soon. This podcast was brought to you thanks to the support of readers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.